Welcome back to another episode of Master Your Marriage. We have another great episode planned for today, but first we just want to tell you just how incredibly grateful we are to have you be part of this growing community. If this is your first time joining the show, welcome. We're glad you're here and we thank you for being here. Make sure that while you're here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button because we do drop a new episode every Wednesday to help you uplevel your relationship. Today's episode is inspired by one of our listeners, and she wrote in and asked us, which family comes first, our family or the in-laws? Mm. So in this episode, we're going to talk about managing big conflicts. Maybe in-laws maybe in are a conflict in your relationship as well. Maybe not. But we will approach this problem the same way we approach all conflicts. So whether your problem is parenting, in-laws, money, division of responsibility or something else, we're going to break it down. Stay tuned. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. All right, so let's start out by sharing an email that we received this week from one of our listeners who asked that we not use her name, but she did say we could go ahead and read her email. And her email said, hi, guys, love your podcast. I am just wondering if you could record an episode on extended families and laws and their lack of respect. Ooh. They only call and visit when they want something. They leave us out of special occasions. They don't take their turn in making dinner, throwing big parties. They don't help with the kids. And they always have these excuses for why they don't do it. And Ooh. I get upset about all of it, but my husband insists on keeping the peace. He just wants happy. And he just goes running every time they raise their head, destroying the peace that exists between us in the process. Whereas I, on the other hand, want to keep them to a minimum for my own sanity. And I always feel used and abused by them. And I'm tired of feeling disrespected. I've explained all of this to my husband, but he sees it, you know, also, but he just disregards my feelings and sides with them. And I just can't take much more conflict. And it's ruining our marriage of nearly 20 years. Please send me some advice. Thank Ooh. you. This is tough because in-laws, like I remember when we first got married, it was, mm. it was a lot there. It's just, it's so different to try and do that and manage that in your marriage. But this relationship, this is a marriage. They've been together for 20, married for 20 years, yeah. almost 20 years. This and is, they're this still, is still ongoing. Problem. Yeah, this is a problem. So we're going to talk about different types of conflicts in just a minute and, yeah. and what this sounds like. So, yeah. So before we tackle that, let's revisit the types of conflict. And there are three types of conflict that exist in relationships. What are the three types, Charlotte? So there's there's three types. There's solvable conflicts. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's perpetual conflicts. Oh yeah. And then there's gridlock problems okay. and conflicts. So it's I think it's important to kind of talk about the three of those so we can distinguish what we think this problem is because right. that's going to be important in how we approach it. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So a solvable conflict means that the problem can be managed and solved with a compromise or some negotiation. And while these problems are easier to manage, they should not be ignored because ignored problems usually grow into bigger problems. And right. this represents about 31% of your overall conflicts. Wait a minute. Solvable problems 
only are only account for 31% of our overall conflicts in a relationship. Yep. It brings us to our favorite topic, which is <laughs> perpetual complex conflicts. These issues never completely go away. You may make some strides. You can manage them a little bit with some temporary compromises. But by and large, these problems continue to surface year in and year out in most every relationship. Okay. So wait a minute. Back up a second. So what you're saying is that our solvable problems 31% are 31% of yep. our conflicts in our relationship, but the perpetual problems, the ones that keep happening year after year, go on and on and on. Yep. That's 69% of the problems in our relationship are, yep. that, are that they're, and they're perpetual and they're not solvable, right? They're not, there's no resolution. Nope. 69% of our problems have no resolution. Absolutely true. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, that brings us to the next one, which is gridlock. And a gridlock problem is a type of a perpetual problem. So it's in the 69%, but it is a perpetual problem that has been really poorly managed, really mishandled, probably for years. And over that time, the mishandling of those perpetual problems leads to just really negative feelings about each other, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, which of course isn't good. Gridlock discussions that people are when it when a discussion becomes gridlock, it leads to very painful exchanges. Yeah. Or, well, we're going to talk about that. Usually one or more of the four horsemen, usually all of them. Right. And there's there's we'll get into what those are and remind you in just a minute. I think, you know, already. But there's there's also usually very icy distance and silence between the couple. Lots of resentment. Lots of resentment. And. The interesting thing is that the more and more a problem becomes gridlock, the more each individual becomes entrenched in their side, in being right, in their position, and they stop accepting influence from their partner. Yeah, that's always a recipe for disaster. The minute you are unwilling to consider your partner's position mm -hmm. on, on anything and just making sure you have to be right that's when things really tend to go south. And that's when we start to vilify each other and make each other out to be this bad guy. Yeah, that's a bad guy because right. you've done this. And after years of mishandling these issues, emotional disengagement sets in uh, because couples have really just stopped communicating about it. They've stopped talking and then they avoid each other. Mm -hmm. They have resentful feelings because they vilified one another. And one or both of them is probably in a state of what we call negative sentiment override, which means everything they look around them, everything their partner does is wrong. And this pushes couples down to this really nasty pattern we call the distance isolation cascade, which leads you to living parallel lives or even divorce. Right. So that's a very nasty cascade that we don't want to go it down. And it really begins with the four horsemen around a conflict and having that conflict really mishandled yep. and until we get to the point where we become emotionally disengaged. So that's why we want to avoid gridlock problems at all cost. Absolutely. Yeah. And remember, it's okay to have a perpetual problem. Oh, we have a couple. We have perpetual problems in our relationship. Even the most masterful relationships still have 69% of their problems are perpetual. They happen year after year after year. They keep kind of circling back again. We just focus on managing those perpetual problems properly instead of mishandling them so that they don't become gridlocked because gridlock is where the danger sets in, you know, and the idea that this idea that 
you know, oh, we need to solve our problems. Oh, we have to work this out. We need to solve this. We need to sit down and solve this problem. That's a really misguided yeah, I think, idea. I think it leads you to the point where one of you has to be right. Yeah. When, when we have, when we have to solve a problem, one of us has to be right. And I think that is a, that's a precarious position mm-hmm. to be in, in a relationship where one of you is always having to be right. So instead, the goal is to dialogue because once a problem is gridlocked, what do we do about it? What, what, what do we do? I, I don't know. I think we just start ignoring each other once it's gridlocked. I mean, the answer to what we do about it really is we need to talk about it. We need to we figure need to out a way to manage that gridlock problem. But these are the most sticky problems that we have, the gridlocked ones, right? Perpetual problems have been dialogued and managed. Gridlock problems are the ones that are where we're, we're fighting about it really. And, and there's right. negative feelings. We're mad and we're frustrated and we're vilifying each other. And so these we've are, even maybe stopped fighting about it. We just don't even like each other. Yeah. And, or we're just ignoring that. And mm-hmm. then that overflows into the rest of the relationship. So the solution for a gridlock problem is the same as the solution for a perpetual problem, which is we just need to learn to start dialoguing about that perpetual problem again. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about more today. So coming back to the listener's question, and first we have to be clear, we don't, we don't know the whole story. This is not an active client and we've only heard one side. And to use one of Charlotte's favorite analogies, it's an awfully thin pancake that doesn't have two sides. Mm-hmm. But based on the information that we know, this is definitely a perpetual problem. Um, and based on this email, it's highly gridlocked because the perpetual problem they said is she's, she said it's ruining their marriage of nearly 20 years. So yeah. this is, this one's a sticky one and we're yeah. going to do what we can. So the first step for both parties, if you're in a situation like this, yeah. for anyone who's in a gridlock problem, whatever that gridlock problem is, is just to recognize the fact that we're in this problem. Like we're in a sticky situation and we don't want this problem to stay gridlocked because we know the cascade that potentially is going to come from that. And so we absolutely must start dialoguing about this problem in a positive and productive way to get it out of gridlock. Right. And the next thing we're going to suggest is that you approach this conversation with a tremendous amount of compassion and and acceptance. There's a really tricky paradox in relationships. And this is an undisputed fact that people are only motivated to change if and when they feel loved, appreciated, and accepted for who they are. This came from a Gottman study, and according to his research, the more time people spend in committed relationships, they get better at being forgiving and tolerant of one another's flaws. Yeah, so approach it with compassion, approach it with compassion and tolerance. I mean, that's good advice for any conversation we have with someone we love. Absolutely. Right? Because when couples feel criticized or they feel rejected by their partner, they're going to become more defensive. They're going to become more resentful and they're going to be less likely to change their behaviors. Yeah. If you criticize me, I'm not going to change anything. No, you dig in. Yeah. So it's a really tricky, interesting paradox of how do we communicate love and acceptance of our partner's imperfections while also expressing to them our needs and maybe our wishes for them to change something and to, to like skill up a little bit for the good of this relationship. I like the fact that you said skill up because I think that's what it is, right? Oftentimes in the things that we're teaching and we teach not only in our courses, but um, with our clients is we teach them how to you know do a gentle startup. We also teach them how to lead with compassion and kindness. And oftentimes that's not the way people learn to communicate. And it's not how we knew how to communicate no, it's not initially. How we, yeah, we didn't learn that either. So we're in the same boat as that one. There's a great quote that um, I read the other day online and it, and it says, 
The married couples that make it aren't the ones who never had a reason to get divorced. They're simply the ones who decided that their commitment to one another was greater than any of their flaws or differences. Mm, so true. Yeah. So yeah. true. Yeah. So basically, as we grow, we learn to accept our partner, warts and all. Warts and all. Because rejecting them, criticizing them, that's not going to change anything. That's not going to work. People don't change unless they feel accepted, appreciated, and loved first. So obviously, acceptance has some limitations, and it's sad we have to kind of quickly mention that. But, you know, it should go without saying that no one should have to tolerate abuse or violence or be forced to accept certain betrayals that are a betrayal of the, the marriage contract. So that's not the type of acceptance that we're talking about. But generally speaking, with these conflicts that you're experiencing in your relationships, lead with acceptance, lead with compassion. Next, we need to try to go into this dialogue with a mindset of compassion and acceptance. The guy in the situation, he may not have the capacity to change. And I don't, I don't know the background and maybe there's some family trauma or maybe he had to walk around on eggshells as a child. And maybe this is something he really doesn't have the capacity to change at the moment. I don't know. But if he doesn't, compassion in the situation is really the only option. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Sometimes I think we expect our partner to change and maybe they don't have the capacity. And then if that's true, then what's the point? You know, can we just accept them warts and all? Yeah, warts and all. Right. So, okay. So we know we need to turn this gridlock problem around and why we're just, let's recap a little bit. We know that the only way through that is to dialogue. And we know that we want to approach this dialogue with acceptance and compassion. So then what? Well, there's a list of things you don't want to do. So First thing, if you're going to try and have this conversation, steer clear of correcting your partner. Mm -hmm. You don't want to yell at them. Nope. You don't want to fault them, shame them, or scold them. Nope. Certainly don't parent them. And absolutely avoid the four horsemen, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Right. And why are these obviously are not good ideas? Because... All of these things are really just going to further damage to the relationship. They're going to further the emotional disengagement that is already happening. And not only that, but I think that we all want to be heard. If there's a situation, there's a, there's a reason why we're so entrenched in our position. It's important to us and we want to be heard and we all want to be heard. That's, that's the goal, but we're never heard when we approach these conversations in, with contempt, with criticism, with the four horsemen, with yelling. We're never heard that way. Yeah. Nothing gets solved by coming in hot. No. Yeah. That's what it is. So here's the things we do want to do, right? So you should approach with understanding that both of you have a different perception of the situation, right? We both see things from different angles. We we're raised differently and seek, there's the hard part, seek to understand the other person's perspective. There should be a relationship rule that gets written into marriage vows, at least as far as I'm concerned, that we do not move forward to resolve, negotiate, or compromise until we first seek to understand. Understanding must precede any type of compromise. Yeah, because this is so important, you guys, because it's the understanding itself that's going to help you navigate that situation. Yeah, right? absolutely. When there's enough understanding, I truly believe that the problem just gets easier and easier to either manage or to negotiate. So it's all about understanding. It's all about understanding each other's positions and perspectives. Forget about proving who's right. 
there's there's no right. There's no right, I'm right, you're wrong. Perception is everything. Yeah, we should take right out of relationships. Yeah, it's perception. Focus on perception. Both people are right to some degree from within each of their perspectives. So your mission really in these conversations is to figure out the perception. Understand that completely first, and then, only then, can you work towards some sort of negotiation. Yeah, absolutely. Gottman uses the analogy of the two fists. So imagine Charles and I are holding up two fists, and and they're facing each other, and we're fighting about extended family. So, the, you know, we're going back and forth. They don't treat us fairly. They don't respect us. They leave us out. They don't invite us to family parties. Like, all those types of things. Your mom's so judgmental. All those different types of things, right? And that's what we're fighting about. Yes. And in this situation that Robert just said, we, we made a lot of that up. As yeah. we said earlier, we don't know the exact scenario, awfully thin pancake that has only one side, right? We're just, we're now hypothetically speaking to an issue that anyone might have with their in-laws. But, you know, regardless, all of those things that Robert just said about your mother-in-law being critical and judgmental, and I don't want her over here at the house, whatever it is, all of that is just the content Okay. It's just the noise. It's the chatter. It's actually not the real problem. You're fighting about the noise instead of actually getting down to the root of the problem. And you're lobbing these comments around and around, which really just further pushes all of us into gridlock. Yeah. It just gets a little bit more hurtful. Yeah. A lot more damage. Yeah. So you have to dialogue, you have to have a conversation about the bigger problem, which is the two of you have values and dreams that are in conflict, right? My values and dreams are in conflict with her values and dreams. So let's go back and go back to the analogy of the, of the two fists and right. we're holding up our two fists and imagine for a moment that your values and dreams are locked, each of you, within that fist. And if you could just open up your hand and I could just show you what's important to me right? Then you could get an understanding about why these things are important to me. Yes. And, understanding. Then, and that will help you with compassion and appreciation. So it's understanding generally. that perspective. Yes. So if you can open your fist and show me what's inside, I get to see your perspective. And then if I can open up my fist and show you what's inside, you see my perspective. And understanding precedes compromise always. Exactly. So how do we do that though? How can we possibly open up our fists once we become so entrenched in our positions where we're vilifying our partner. Coming in hot. Don't come in hot. Nope. <laughs> Start gentle. Start gentle. Start these conversations very gently. We'll we'll do a quick little slight demo in just a second. Always use calm communication, positive communication. And then really, since we're trying to get to understanding, you want to ask good quality questions that are going to lead you to that understanding, right? The quality of your questions really determines the quality of your understanding, yeah. which there also then ends up ultimately determining the quality of your relationship. And we admit this would be hard to do if both of us had a lot of hard feelings. It is hard to do. Yeah. But look, what are your options here? You can stay entrenched in your positions and continue to go down that cascade to the point where there's dissolution of the relationship, or we can turn this cart around. You know, we, we can start to gently, slowly, maybe we need to get a little bit of help with a coach or a therapist and start to dialogue about it because we know just based on the research, if we continue on this path, it's not going to a good yeah, place. That can be good. So should we role play a little bit? Yeah, I think just a little bit. We'll give you some good questions that you can ask each other and just kind of see how we would lead into it. So okay. good. All right. 
Robert is now the person who has the in-laws and I'm the upset, resentful wife. Yep. Okay. So honey, I was just listening to this podcast and I was learning about gridlock problems, which I realized we have this gridlock problem and I want to work on it. I really want to work on a relationship and I want things to be more gentle and more kind. And I want us to have more positive situations when we disagree. And I was wondering if it would be okay if we could just have a conversation where I, I'm not as crit, I won't be critical like I have been in the past and, and I won't be harsh like I have been in the past. But I wonder if we can just talk about your, your family and see if we can maybe understand each other a little bit more. Would that be okay with you? I'm willing to try that. Okay. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I think what I really just want to understand better is your perspective. I learned that, you know, there isn't really a right or a wrong that we're both right. And, and maybe I can do a better job in understanding your perspective. Could you maybe tell me a little bit about like when it comes to your family and you know my frustrations and the things in the, from the past, but maybe you could just tell me why your position is so important to you. Well, I, I think it just goes back to, and you know me, family's important, our family's important, but, but my family's important, the one I was raised with as well. And, and it's hard for me to sort of separate those two things. And I know that it frustrates you, but family's everything to me. And, you know, and I was always taught that your family's there for you thick and thin and you need to be there for them. And, and we always had, you know, events and parties at, when I was a kid growing up and we always got the cousins and family together. And so I, I really like doing that. And, and it's a big part of how I was raised. That's why I want to keep continuing to do it. Mm -hmm. I know. Is there, I know that you've told me before that you know, peace is keeping the peace is really important to you. Is there a, is there like a story behind that? Maybe a childhood event, something in your background in some way that's related to that? Yeah. I mean, as I think about it, I remember when, and you haven't met uncle Bill, I'm making it up, but you haven't met uncle Bill before. And that's because when I was like six or seven, something like that, we had had a lot of cousins. Uncle Bill's got five kids or something. And, and I had a lot of cousins and they used to come to the parties all the time. And I remember he and my dad sort of got into something. I just remember some, some arguing and then Uncle Bill packing his kids up and, and, and gone. And, you know, I never really saw my cousins after that. It was sort of this rift that was caused between the two families. And, and I guess I just never wanted to see I never wanted my kids to go through that. I never wanted to create a rift between the two families. I wanted our cousin, our kids to know their cousins and for everybody to be together. And I guess I just think that if maybe I'm, you know, trying to keep the peace that, that, that might be why, I don't know. Hmm. I never knew that. So what are some of your core beliefs and ethics and values that you have around your position? I mean, I, I think family's important. I think togetherness is important. And I think you know, having my kids, you know, know their cousins and, and it's a, we're all family, we're all connected and we want to be there for each other. And I just don't think we can be there for each other if, if, you know, if we let some of these disagreements and, and things and perceived issues, you know, get in the way. And I don't, you know, and maybe I'm minimizing those. I don't know. Okay. What would be, what would be your ideal dream here? Like, what do you need? I just want everybody to get along. I want the families to just, I want people to be able to come over and I don't want us to go over there. And I don't want there to be, you know, as much of this conflict. I know not everybody can get along, but, but, but I'd like that 
you know, I'd like us, like, like the kids to play together. I love just being a big, happy family and extended family so that we can count on them. Like if, if we needed something, they would come. And if they needed something, they could call on us as well. So what we just did right there is just a brief, very quick demonstration of what it might sound like, at least maybe the beginning of it, maybe how to lead into it gently, how to make it a gentle start. Um, some of the great questions you can ask is, you know, what are your beliefs, your ethics, your values around your position? Is there a story behind this position for you? Maybe does it relate to your background or your childhood history in some way? You know, Robert just came up with that story on the fly. It wasn't a true story. But I mean, if I was actually your, you know, listening to that as the wife and that was the story that was shared, that couldn't not help me feel more compassionate toward towards your position. Like I would see your perspective so much more. Another question would be, you know, what would be your ideal dream here? What feelings do you have about this issue? Um, is there a deeper purpose for you? What, what do you need here? These are the types of questions that we, quality questions that matter, that help us to open up that fist. Yeah. And it has to be two ways though. Like I'm yes. going to take the opportunity to ask her these questions as well so that I can gain more understanding about her values and her dreams. And that's when the perpetual problem gets managed. Yes, that's how you manage a perpetual problem is through understanding. That's how we open each of our fists to take a look inside. Now, the important points here is that you cannot try to fight for your position. You have right. to forego all of that and really just seek to understand because what is happening here is that there's a value that is held deeply within each of our fists. And that value is so important that it goes to the core of our identity, to the core of who we are, that in the past we have felt so strongly about that, that if we compromised on it, it felt like we were giving up a piece of who we were. Yeah. And when you compromise a value, that would be the point, right? You you get to this point where it's like, this is the thing that's important to me. And in an example, it's family. And so I'm not willing in this example to compromise on on family because I saw what happened to Uncle Bill. And now that's a deep, deep core value to me that needs to be understood and accepted, at least in that. And when you is. can figure out what those values are, then you can figure out, okay, where do, where can we actually compromise? Where are the edges that we can compromise on to find a solution that honors your values and honors our, my values? Yeah. Because it really just comes down to values. Values are what's driving your conflicts. And if you can find that deeper understanding, then you can find a, either a solution or a negotiation, even if it's just a temporary compromise. And we actually just launched a full course on values where we teach you not only how to manage these types of conflicts better and go through this in more detail, but we also give you tools on how to utilize one another's values to create really positive, enriching and meaningful experiences and rituals into your relationship. And that course is now live. It's we'll link to it in our sh in our show notes as yeah, well. We had a lot of fun making that course. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was good. Well, so thank you to our listener for that question. And if you have a question you'd like to ask in the future episode, we've actually just created a question line. Um, used to be emails before, but now you can just call, leave your question in a voicemail. And we may select it to be addressed in a future episode. Um, that phone number is 801-669-8513. That's 
8513. Now we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So we hope that this episode has been helpful. We really do love hearing all of your feedback and stories. We're especially touched when we hear the positive impact that our podcast has made in your lives. And we want to continue to do that. We want to continue to provide value to each of you on a weekly basis. And I hope that as we do that, we ask that you can that you continue to support the show and the algorithm feeds off of ratings and reviews. So if you can take a moment to leave us a five-star review and a comment, we would really, really appreciate it. More importantly, if there's someone in your life that's struggling in their relationship and you think this episode or any of our episodes might be beneficial to them, do a favor and share the episode with them. Remember to be kind to each other. Always put each other first. It's the small things done often that build happy, long-lasting relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.